Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, my lovely Betwixters. This is Kate Lister jumping in to say this is your fair dues warning. Fair dues, we are talking about adult themes in an adult way. Actually, today we're talking about pirates. So we're kind of a bit of a nautical naughtiness today. But this is your fair dues warning. If this isn't your cup of tea, just give this one a miss. And for those of you that are still with me, have asked me hearties. Let's get into it. This is the story of two noteworthy pirates. Noteworthy uh, because they were bold, they were brash, they were violent. I mean, most pirates were, I suppose. But most importantly for this story, they were women. Join me, Kate Lister, betwixt the sheets to find out more. What do you look for, a man? Oh, money, of course. <laughs> You're supposed to rise when an adult speaks to you. I make perfect copies of whatever my boss needs by just turning a knob and pushing the button. Yes, social courtesy does make a difference. Goodness, what beautiful time. Goodness has nothing to do with it, dearie. And welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society with me, Kate Lister. Let me paint you a picture. You are out on the ocean, sailing the high seas with your precious cargo, minding your own damn business, when suddenly the call goes out. Pirates, and you see the Jolly Roger hurtling towards you, sailing towards you, actually. Wouldn't that just frighten you shitless? It would scare me. And as the ship gets closer and closer, you can see the pirates, you can hear them, and... No doubt you can smell them. But what do you think a pirate looked like? I sent my producers out and about, not quite on the high seas, but round London, to try and get some questions answered. Dishevelled, bearded, with a bandana. Pirates quite dirty, long hair, Captain Jack Sparrow kind of vibe. That's mud, I think. Eye patch, beard, tricorn hat, parrot. Bonnie and Reed were a pair of swashbuckling pirates from the start of the 18th century, but just how close to your descriptions were their lives? Today I'm joined by Julie Walker to find out how Bonnie and Reed became pirates, whether the fact that they were women was really an issue for the rest of the crew, and how did they hide that? And also, did they really fight topless? Swords at the ready, let's do this. So, hello, or maybe I should say avast. 
Avast, Julie Walker. Thank you so much for joining me betwixt the sheets. Well, thank you very much. I should have said ahoy. Ahoy. <laughs> ahoy, Avast. We just do the whole thing trying to talk like a pirate. Let's go sail away now. <laughs> <laughs> so you are the historian to talk to about Anne Bonny and Mary Reed, the female pirate duo. I am indeed. Yes, that's right. This is such an unbelievably fascinating story for so many reasons. First of all, pirates are just interesting and fascinating. And we'll talk a bit about why later. Yes, of course. But the fact that they were women as well doing this and the fact that they were women pirates and not conforming to domestic servitude and all those things, they are just... How did you get interested in this story? Well, I first heard about it via Adamant. Ah. I was uh, a huge Adamant fan, still am. When the Prince Charming album came out, there was a song called Five Guns West. And on this song, he talked about Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. And I'd never heard these names before. And then in an interview, he talked about them being female pirates. And this completely blew my mind. At the time, I'm ageing myself here, but at school I was reading Jane Austen and my view of women at the time was, you know, they sat at home, they embroidered and they waited for men to knock at the door to marry them. And actually, here were two women, very, very different backgrounds, who dressed as men, went out into the world and accidentally met in the middle of the Caribbean Sea and became pirates. And I just thought this was so unbelievable. Mm. You really couldn't make it up. And actually, I didn't need to because that's (laughs) what actually happened. And I've just been absolutely fascinated by their story ever since. How could you not be? But all right. So I didn't even know where to start with it. (laughs) Who were they, first of all? Who were Anne Bonny and Mary Reed? Let's talk dates. Where did they come from? Anne Bonny, her father and her mother came from Cork in Ireland. An Irish girl. So uh, her mother was a maid in the father's house and she got pregnant and obviously a massive scandal and so they left Ireland and went to South Carolina where her father kind of reinvented himself as a plantation owner. Anne was a plantation owner's daughter. She was an only child, a bit of a tearaway by all accounts, very unhappy marriage that her father and her mother had. In her late teens, she ran away with a servant, much to her father's annoyance. And well, these want to talk. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Well, it's one rule for, for them and another for yes, everyone else, I think. Anne headed to sea with James Bonney. She did take his name, if nice. nothing else. And they ended up in New Providence, where, you know, she'd intended to start having adventures. New Providence is in the Bahamas. Yeah. It's one of the islands there. And it had been a very busy pirate port in the sort of late 1600s, early 1700s. The king's pardon had been given to pirates to sort of encourage them to stop being pirates, which a lot of them had accepted because they didn't really want to be hanged, which is fair enough. What she hadn't realised was James Bonney was a bit feckless. Her dad, she only ever had been after her money. As any self-respecting woman would do, she just dumped this deadbeat. Who amongst us has not? Well, (laughs) absolutely. It's a sort of monthly occurrence, isn't it? Basically, (laughs) Anne Bonney meets Jack Rackham, who had been a pirate captain, has a little word in his ear, and they steal a ship with a crew. And they become pirates together. Right. Within a very short space of time, it's probably within a few weeks, she's been a plantation owner's daughter and now she's a pirate. Wow. How old was she roughly when this happened? She was probably in her late teens at this point. Wow. About 19. It really does show quite a spirit, I think. 
quite remarkable story and actually Mary has an equally unlikely story. She was born in Plymouth, sort of end of the 1600s. Basically she'd been dressed as a boy from childhood. Her mother had had her illegitimately but her legitimate elder brother was being supported by his grandmother and so when he died the mother thought well why waste that money? What we'll do is we'll not tell the grandmother that he's dead we'll just pass mary off as his brother wow literally okay. you know dressed as a boy and then when her grandmother actually died and the money stopped her mother put her into service as a footman for a local woman okay. which really didn't suit her she was obviously very rebellious had a lot of spirit and she ran off to sea to become a sailor but realized very quickly that actually a life in the navy at that time was not a lot of fun so she jumped ship in the Netherlands and she joined the army and she went to war in Flanders and so she basically just made her name as a soldier obviously still dressed as a man and she probably would have stayed there had she not fallen for the man she was sharing her tent with Arno basically the story goes that he had no idea he was sharing a tent with a woman until she chose to show him <laughs> okay but actually quite traditional was our Mary she said you know, clearly I'm a woman, but you're not touching me unless you marry me. And so he married her. And basically they had to come out to the platoon, okay. who apparently took it very, very well. You know, they did think that Mary was one of their best men and they took a collection for them and they opened an inn wow. in Flanders. So quite incredible. She became very famous there as the woman who used to be a man. And, you know, she would sort of say, I'm Mary Reed, I was Mark Reed, I'm one and the same. And then she'd sell a lot of beer, you know, so why not use that? <laughs> nice. <laughs> why do you think she kept dressing as a man? I mean, I understand, like, that a mum made her do it so they could get the money as a kid. But then there must have come a point where it's like that she didn't have to go back as living as a woman. Why do you reckon she did that? Well, she really did come from extreme poverty. And I think at the time, there weren't a huge amount of options for women mm. at the time. You know, a lot of the port towns, a lot of women fell into prostitution because they didn't have a lot of other options. It really seemed like, although she was in service, that really didn't suit her, yeah. being subservient to people. And I think there's two reasons why women at the time would have dressed as men. The first of which is it would have protected them when they travelled. You know, a woman travelling alone would have been quite dangerous, so it was a safety thing. Yeah. In Mary's case, it allowed her to get a much better paying job. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So she's got a bar in Flanders yes. and a gimmick, because she can go, I used to be Mark, ha ha ha. Yes. How does she end up in a sea with pirates? Very sadly, Arnold died of oh. a fever. Oh. And then actually, the war in Flanders actually dried up. Peace came. And she found that the soldiers who were kind of coming to her in stopped coming. Right. And so fundamentally what she thought was, well, I may as well try and make a new life for myself in the new world. So she went off to become a sailor again, joined a merchant ship, passed herself off as a seaman and off she went to sea again. Right. She was in the Caribbean, you know, off to the Americas. That ship was boarded by a pirate ship, which just happened to have Anne Bonny there as one of the pirates. Ah, and that was how they met. And that was how they met in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. So unlikely, but yeah. what a fantastic story. How do we know about this story? Like, was, was there first-hand accounts? Like, 
do we know what it was like when they first met? How did they discover that each other is a woman or? So 1724, a book was published by Captain Johnson, his history of the pirates. No one quite knows who Captain Johnson was. There were rumours it might be Daniel Defoe. But fundamentally, he clearly had first-hand knowledge of a lot of the pirates. Oh. You know, short essays about each of the key pirates of the time. You know, so you've got your Blackbeards, you've got your Captain Kids, you've got all of those people in there, and you've got Jack Rackham. And then Captain Johnson says but you'll never guess who he was travelling with. And then you get Anne's story and you get Mary's story. But also the thing that really kind of made their name at the time, because obviously this was really big news, mm. there were etchings in the book of some of the pirates. Just obviously for no other reason than he didn't want anyone to be confused about this, Anne and Mary were shown bare-breasted because obviously <laughs> you were. can't... Of course they Some were. things never change. That <laughs> was kind of really when their story came out. Wow. If you do read Captain Johnson's accounts, there's definitely a little bit of male fantasy going on. Oh, of course there is. Yeah. If you're a female pirate, there's no way that you're going about your day-to-day -day business with your tits out. No sensible woman's doing that. If you're having a battle with a cutlass, they'd just get in the way, quite frankly, wouldn't they? It's not happening. Well, they would. And men writing women like that is something that still persists to this day. In fact, there's a whole trope Absolutely. of that on social media, isn't it, of women laughing at men writing about them. There's just this fabulous bit where Captain Johnson has it that uh, Anne didn't realise that Mary was a woman and had tried to seduce her. And the way that Mary sort of showed herself to that was to expose her breasts because that's what we do that's absolutely what we do isn't it you don't just say actually you're barking up the wrong tree love i'm a woman you don't say that you just you flash them don't you so you take off you, you just strip to the waist and just go behold <laughs> my breasts yes exactly and it's <laughs> aha said anne at that point so yeah i don't think that's how it happened quite frankly <laughs> I don't think that's how it <laughs> happened. I mean, I wasn't there. Yeah. I think it would be much more likely that they just sort of clocked each other and just went, I know your game. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I think also, because Anne was living quite openly as a woman on the pirate ship, ah. pirate ships were this great socialist utopia. They didn't care what sex, sexuality, wow. colour of skin you were, what your religion was. As long as you did your job, you got a fair share of the spoils. It was probably the first time they'd ever truly experienced, both Anne and Mary, true um, sort of equality. Yeah. It's just ironic, really, that they had to join a pirate ship to experience that. This seems like a good point to sort of talk a bit about piracy in general and like what the hell yeah. was going on? We still have pirates today, Somalian pirates, I suppose. You know, you hear about them in the news. But this kind of golden age of piracy, like what the hell was happening? The kings of England were really quite happy to say to lots of those sort of famous sea captains that we hear about in history, by the way, if you wanted to sort of intercept a Spanish galleon or two and, you know, sort of share the spoils back home, we'd turn a blind eye to that. Oh, and actually, I think that Captain Kidd is quite an interesting story because he really fell foul of that because he had been a privateer. And then at one point there was a bit of a change of heart, which he wasn't really aware of. So when he came home expecting, you know, to be welcomed with open arms, he was actually hanged. Oh, that's so unfortunate. You know, that's <laughs> It is a bit, yes, it's like, oops, that's a bit of a mistake, isn't it? Did we not let you know? Did you not get the memo, the, <laughs> yeah, the newsletter right. that goes around? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you know, we texted you, but it didn't get through. Also, you had, you know, these incredibly rich trade routes kind of going through the Caribbean. 
And if you were in the British Navy, particularly at the time, actually you had a miserable existence. You mm. earned almost nothing. Your wife was left behind absolutely poverty stricken. She may well have to turn to prostitution just to mm -hmm. sort of keep herself going back home. And actually a lot of them, if they were boarded by pirates, they'd be quite happy to join because yeah. barely keeping body and soul together and having these ridiculous rules that, you know, they could be whipped for or anything. The pirates saying, join us, we share everything equally. Wow. It was a very attractive proposition. And of course, because those trade routes were always open, there'd always be somebody knowing that if they just lay in wait, the next very rich ship would be along very soon. So I think it just became a huge problem back in Britain. They suddenly realised that this wasn't a great idea overall, which is why actually they started to really sort of clamp down on piracy mm. just after sort of 1710, 1715. That's when they basically said to the pirates, OK, we're going to have an amnesty here. We will grant you a pardon if you give up your, your piracy ways okay. and just live peacefully. But it really didn't suit a lot of these men, mm. certainly Rackham's ship, a lot of his crew were Nugget men, Nugget, Nugget prison, okay. yep. who were actually being sort of sent over to the colonies to work on the plantations as well. And he'd intercepted this ship and he'd taken them on. So mm. not exactly law-abiding citizens, as you might expect. So what you've kind of got here is this perfect storm of there's all these very, very wealthy ships making this the journey between like Spain and America and France and America. And if anybody happened to intercept them and get all the gold and spices, that would be quite lucrative. And the British Navy for a good while half encouraged, half turned a blind eye to it. Yes. And then all of a sudden tried to go, oh, no, no, don't do that. Yes, absolutely. So they've gone right. from being privateers to being pirates just because suddenly they're not sanctioned by the king. Right. Very murky, very grey areas, mm. but really fascinating to read about, actually. They're kind of like muscle for hire, aren't they? Yes. And then, as you said, the condition on these ships was just, it was horrendous. At sea for months and months and months, they were worked all the time, they were flogged. They had, like, these dried biscuits with weevils in, scurvy was off the charts. And you get paid absolutely bugger all at the end of it. So yeah. then a pirate ship turns up and says we'll look after your lads yeah absolutely i mean why wouldn't you do that you why know why wouldn't you do that so i mean obviously you, you know you were risking your life if you were caught but actually mm. what sort of life was it if you didn't yeah you can absolutely understand why people were so willing to become pirates really yeah i mean i think that i would turn pirate yeah definitely I'll be back with Julie after this short break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Did Edison really take credit for things he didn't invent? Were treadmills originally a form of corporal punishment? And would man have ever got to the moon? Without the bra. You can expect answers to all these questions and more in the brand new podcast from history hit, patented History of Inventions. Join me, Dallas Campbell, as I uncover what really sparked history's most impactful ideas. Each episode, I'll be recruiting the help of experts, scientists, historians, and even a few real-life inventors. Subscribe to Patented History of Inventions wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's talk... So, Anne and Mary have met each other on this ship. They've obviously exposed each other, their breasts to each other in order to prove definitively. Obviously. Because that's what yes. women do. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what happens from that point on? What did they do? Just became crewmates on the ship and they worked together. Basically, Mary would have taught Anne how to fight because, you know, her upbringing definitely wouldn't have taught her how to fight. Mm. And actually, Mary was a very disciplined soldier. You know, she was a very good soldier, very good oh, fighter. Good, yeah. So she'd have shared those experiences with Anne. They would then take part in raids. They would raid other ships. They would fight. They would kill people. They would steal. And so they would have become really kind of very, very close friends because... Yeah. The ships that they sailed on were really quite small. They would have been thrown together in very close proximity. And mm. I think they'd have been absolutely fascinated by each other because they were just diametrically opposite. But fundamentally, you know, they've never had this sort of freedom before. And I think that yeah. whilst Mary was very clear about what she'd wanted, she'd known a lot of want in her life, a lot of lack. Mm. Bizarrely, she's actually quite a traditional woman. You know, she wants to settle down. She wants to have a she family. She isn't, Julie. That's, <laughs> she can't be on a pirate ship having run a bar in Flanders, having disguised herself as a man called Mark and shacked up with the soldier in your tent and then give it all. I'm actually quite a traditional kind of girl. Well, actually, it's really funny. There is, uh, if you look at the trial records, the only time that Mary gets very upset because she's quite happy to say, yep, I've killed people, I've robbed people. I think it should be right that pirates are hanged because then actually any old coward could become a pirate. You know, it's important that you're brave. Standards. She does have standards, but the time she got very, very upset was the judge referred to her as a spinster. And she said, no, 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 I'm married 
just as if I'd been married in a church. You know, I'm not a spinster. I'm a married woman. So it's really strange that, you know, she's she does have this sort of very sort of traditional interesting isn't it yeah is absolutely murderer fine burglar pirate yeah absolutely uh, criminal yeah. not a problem spinster uh, excuse <laughs> yes me, mate, yes yes exactly so i think wow. that's really fascinating whereas i think to be honest i think Anne never really quite knew to start with what she was trying to do she was just sort of like this mm. is an adventure this looks fun I'll do this. Let's see what happens. See what and goes. I think that one of the things that Mary would have done for Anne is to sort of ground her a little bit more and kind of go, you know what? You can't always just be jumping onto the next adventure. You yeah. know, you need a little bit of a plan for yourself because, you know, the good times okay. may not always be here. That's the, you always got to save your money, kids. That's the thing. Exactly. Always. Yes. And I think that money actually becomes very, very important, you know, for Mary, who's yeah. been very poverty stricken, to Anne, who's not even had to think about where the next money is coming from. And this fundamentally does become a very big issue in the book. Anything like that, that you know, if you turn to criminality that has very lucrative payoffs, it becomes very hard to leave that life. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a major issue that still today yeah. people are trying to confront, you know, when they're being rehabilitated from crime or even sex workers say, I regularly hear sex workers saying to me that like you know i used to be able to make a thousand times this now i have to go and work on minimum it's like yeah. how do you bridge that it's yeah. always going to be there yeah and if you come from nothing and now you've got some serious dollar coming in it's difficult to leave that isn't it it really is and i think it's really interesting you know because i think as well if you do have that mindset you've seen what it is to have no money mm. it becomes that real security to kind of have it and as you see it's not yeah. easy to replicate that in a sort of more legal way. Like, what other possible jobs out there for women were there that could earn them that kind of money? Piracy, being a professional mistress. Yes, yeah. I think that's your lot, isn't it? That's kind of, Yeah, absolutely. It. I mean, they, they sort of forged their own opportunity within piracy, I think. Yeah. But they broke the glass ceiling of piracy. <laughs> they sort of booted it through, didn't yeah. they? It's, like, I keep having to remind myself, it's like, they are hardened criminals. Because I do feel this begrudged, like, well-played yes, ladies. Yes. But, but then I wasn't chased bare-arsed round a ship deck by Anne and Mary, yes. which may have changed my perspective yes. on what <laughs> Absolutely. But there is still that sort of inappropriate joy yeah. at what they're doing because... Wow, you know, fair play. But it's wrong. It It is absolutely wrong. It plays with your morality. Really, and it's not just with Anne and Mary. I think pirates in general, we have this very romanticised Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, where's the rum gone? And all this stuff. But they were basically criminals. They were basically burglars on a boat. Yes, absolutely. They are no more romantic than the guy that like would mug you in the street or would sneak in through your window. And yet... We have this whole fantasy about them, like Disney movies, Pirates of the Caribbean. You'd never get Muggers of the Caribbean no, that was written no. about. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I think actually some of the sort of more famous captains, a lot of it was about the image. Mm. So one of the reasons that they built up this really fearsome image was so that they'd turn up, people would go, oh, I recognise that as Blackbeard. And then they just put down their swords and he could just take what he wanted. He was a little bit mad. He did the call around the eyes, you know, like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. He actually tied lit fuses into his beard so he'd just look absolutely terrifying. Whatever you want, mate, that's fine. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Can can I help you carry it? You know, it's like... He set his own head on fire. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. <laughs> you know, Jack Rackham, he had himself known as Calico Jack. He always wore this sort of long red frock coat so that people could kind of recognise them. They had different yeah. Jolly Roger flags. You know, they really did have their own branding so that people branding. could... Yeah, it really was, you know, and to be able to say, ah, okay, I know who's coming for me. I'm not putting up any resistance not whatsoever. Not my problem, not my stuff. On the whole, they would leave them with enough water, enough food to make sure that they could make it to the next port. So, you know, if you played nice on the whole, you might get away pretty unscathed. But it did depend which pirate you came up against. Because Black Bart Roberts, who's one of the characters who actually appears in the book, supposedly a very religious, God-fearing man, but he was absolutely horrific. You know, the stuff that he did to people when he captured mm. them, even to his own crew, slitting them open, tying their entrails to a mast and making them dance until they died. That do it. Not pretty. In a way, you'd hope that you'd get a Jack Rackham or even a Blackbeard, to I be do, honest, rather than a Bart Roberts, yeah. So what happens then to Mary Nan? So they're on a ship. What's their story? What happens next? Are they good at what they do? They are very, very good. You know, they are supposed to be two of the best. The sort of first person sort of accounts of being raided by Jack and the women. They very much were up there. They were doing their swearing, their fighting, they're doing everything else. Jack Rackham actually isn't that impressive a pirate. <laughs> All mouth, no trousers. Yeah. He wasn't particularly successful. And I think that that was something that Anne would not have been very happy mm. with. He took a lot of um, fishing boats, for instance, nice. you know, just to sort of keep them in drinking water and fish. He didn't take a huge amount else. You know, there were one or two big wins. But I think that that relationship between... Jack and Anne would have soured very, very quickly. It's know. not very heroic, that, is it? Is nicking the water off fishermen's boats. It's really not. It's really yeah. not. And I think she'd have started to see him as a man rather than this sort of <laughs> creation of his own. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Starting to sound very familiar, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> oh, you're a dickhead. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh you, you just, you're just all talk. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. Oh. Yeah, you've got a red coat. Well done. Uh, you know, but I think that Mary was never meant to sort of stay and there are reasons which the book goes into that, you know, it becomes much more urgent for them to leave the boat. So, okay. but at the same time, as all this is happening, the British Navy knows about them and the British Navy is coming for them. Ah. If they catch up with them, they're going to be hanged. So... You've got a lot of tension there. That would create tension, wouldn't it? So where do they go? So they end up in Jamaica. They do end up on trial. Nice. But it's quite interesting about women versus men that, you know, obviously they've kind of embraced the fact that they are pirates yeah. and they are part of the crew. But as women, if, for instance, you were pregnant, you can't be hanged because you can't. Oh, that old chestnut. If they were to plead their bellies, for instance, then they escape execution or at least until the baby is born. So it's a really interesting story wow. that I think is quite complex in terms of the roles of these women the rules mm. they adopted and then actually the way that the law kind of has to decide how it deals with them as pirates or as women. Were they charged with piracy? Is they were they indeed, were yes. With? Yes. Wow. It's not the happiest of endings for them, but it's mm. it's sort of the only natural outcome for it. Fundamentally, we don't know what happened to Anne. And I think oh. that that is just absolutely fascinating because, you know, she does have this rich father elsewhere we know that oh god yeah she did what happened to him yes and she just disappears from history and i think that that's a really interesting 
area, you know, because it's, well, you can only imagine a woman who's been a pirate, who's taken life by the throat like that. Mm. What does she get up to next? God, there's a mystery. So have you found other women pirates? Because I'm aware that there was a Chinese lady called Xu Yang who was the leader of the Red Fleet. Yes, that's right. And it was more akin to like a floating mafia than kind of beloved pirates of imagination. Yes, absolutely. And there was an Irish pirate called Grace who was sort of operating earlier than Anne and Mary. There's also quite a history of women joining the forces dressed as men. A woman called Christian Davis, who you can still get uh, reproductions of her autobiography, of her dressing up as a man, supposedly to go and follow her husband to get him back from the press gangs. You know, whether or not we believe it, you've always got to take these stories with a pinch of salt because there's the, you know, that thing about, oh, I still need to be respectable, you know, so this is the story that I'm going to tell you. Mm. There's also a fascinating woman called Hannah Snell, who went to sea, dressed as a man, and was one of the first Chelsea pensioners. I did not know that. So really fascinating. You know, it's um, strangely, it wasn't completely unusual for this to happen. But what tends to happen, I mean, Hannah Snell actually had a really sad end, you know, because she was up on stage, you know, she was toured around, you know, there'd be ballads sung about her. And then she did get a sort of a small pension, but Mm. she ended up in uh, Bedlam very sadly, died in poverty. So there you go. That's a bit of a downer, isn't it? But fascinating woman. Again, you can get a hold of her story and certainly sort of some of the aspects of just how these women would pass themselves off as men Mm. on ship because, you know, there's practicalities like going to the loo. God, yeah, thinking about that. How could you disguise that, actually? Like the day-to-day living must have been quite tricky. It's just at the bulkheads. You know, it's not that you've got like a nice private little toilet to go to. What Hannah Snell did, which was she got a horn, strapped it to herself with leather, and she basically used that to wee through. That's that's clever. Absolutely. A she-wee. A she-wee, indeed. One of of the earliest uh, examples. And then also, if she was having her period, well, basically, the way that they would explain that away, it would be very similar to the sort of the sores from syphilis. So she'd have just sort of basically told some of her crewmates that she had syphilis. Every month. With, uh, every, <laughs> I have syphilis once a month. And they kind of went, oh, yeah, At the same enough. time. At the same time, yeah. But I, I suppose it just wouldn't occur to anybody. It's probably one of those things, isn't it? It's like once it's been revealed, it's really obvious. Yeah. But th- there is, like, human bias is that once we believe a story... It's not until it's been revealed that you're suddenly going, how did I not recognise that? How did I not know? Either that or they knew perfectly well that she was a woman and that they were all there going, syphilis again, is it? (laughs) All right, love. Yep, yep. Yeah. And everybody knew perfectly well what she's doing. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course it is, love. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose they'd have to be like binding their breasts to try and yeah absolutely disguise that uh, yeah absolutely so i think that mary had her hair cut very short you know she'd have yeah, been need to do that. quite sunburned you know she'd have been in men's clothes as well they would have been pretty filthy you know i mm, mean sort of yeah. out on ships you know we were talking about the conditions you basically had to wash your clothes in urine if you were washing them at all yeah to be honest i think people wouldn't have wanted to get that close to one another because they must have stunk they must it was not going to be nice conditions and they were quite young and i say that as in like 
if you're a teenager, your body is remarkably different to the way it looks like when you're Absolutely. You know, in middle age. And you are a bit more lithe. And I suppose everyone would have been skinny. I'm just trying to like just think to myself, how did they manage to get away with this? And nobody noticed. I think Anne would have been very different because when she boarded the ship, yes, she'd have had men's clothes, but everyone knew she was a woman from the start. Right. Whereas Mary would have been quite adept at passing herself off as a man. And none of us need to be, but presumably she was no great beauty. Mm. You know, and if she just sort of kept her head down and just kept herself to herself, she probably did find it fairly easy to pass herself off and as you say to be honest the food would have been appalling so it's not like she'd have been putting a lot of weight on no they'd have all been really skinny wouldn't they and i suppose just, yeah well like how often do you see your work colleagues naked i suppose <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not very often <laughs> depends on your line of work i suppose but yes. just, there are like number of cases of this happening where women are revealed to have been living as as men with quite successful careers, which kind of makes you think, well, like who got away with it? Yeah, well, I think that that's exactly right. I think that, you know, these are the people that we know about mm. and there must have been an awful lot more who just got on with it, did their own thing, had very successful lives. But I think it's actually a wonderful thing because, you know, I'd much rather hear a story like this than reader i married him you know yes. there's nothing wrong with those sort of books but it just you know it's nice to know that women had that bit of a spark and just thought no nah, you know what not doing it not doing not it. doing it at all and yeah. it makes perfect sense that you would disguise yourself as a man to do that because that's where the options are that's where the adventure is yeah but what's kind of interesting is obviously like this is kind of what historians and it's really tricky to do it like retrospectively read people because they're not here to talk about it but i have heard people try and make the case that mary and anne were lovers that they were lesbians because they dressed as men that they must have been butch lesbians i don't think that they were now i don't think that anne would have been averse to the idea but as i say i think because we know from mary's own mouth she was actually very traditional yeah and you know as far as she was concerned she had two husbands that was what she was about. Yeah. I do think that it would have been a very deep friendship. We know that that doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't have, you know, been lovers. But I think actually the size of ship that they were on, there was not really any hiding place. You know, there, there were no mm. secrets from anybody else. And I think we'd have known more about it if that had been the case. And I think if you read the book and you kind of see what happens to the women, I think that sort of bears out for me. Yeah. As I say, I think that Anne would have been completely amazed that a woman like Mary existed. And I think that there definitely have been some attraction there for all sorts of reasons, for very good reason. Mm. I mean, such a character. Personally, I don't believe that that's the case, but that doesn't mean that people can read it however they want to read it. Mm. I think for a long time, historians have been basically denying quite clear evidence in front of their eyes and going, look, they were just friends. They were just really, really good friends. And they're going, yeah, but they are buried in a grave together yes. with like, love letters yes. strewn around. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. they were just mates. <laughs> really, we've really we've good spent mates. such a long time doing just such, <laughs> such good friends that now, like, because no one wants to do that, we kind of want to be open to the possibilities that it's almost like, like, we feel like we're letting people down by going, well, they yeah, probably absolutely. weren't lesbians, but they <laughs> yeah. were pirates, yeah, which is still absolutely. pretty cool. But as I say, I think you can read it however you want. You know, my, as I say, my reading is that they weren't, but that doesn't mean that that's right. Well, let's face it, even if they were, they would hardly be breaking with tradition of life at sea. No, not they? at all. I mean, it was well known that 
same-sex relationships blossomed in these circumstances. Absolutely. And there's some same-sex relationships in the book amongst the crew. I've taken that sort of liberty of, of kind of putting it in there. But mm. I do think that one of the wonderful wonderful things about piracy, that sounds like I'm trying to sell it as a lifestyle, <laughs> the fact that actually there was just complete tolerance, just complete acceptance of it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a pirate ship actually would have been one of the freest places to be bizarrely yeah what happens at sea stays at sea yeah definitely why do you think we are so obsessed with pirates this very romantic view that we have of them which probably wasn't accurate obviously they existed but what does it say about us why are we so obsessed with them in the same way as like highwaymen and these kind of figures like that what is it about pirates you think that appeals so much I think we're always excited by something out of the ordinary, really. True. If you watch something like Who Do You Think You Are, you're always sort of thinking, oh, I hope we get a murderer. <laughs> you know, what you don't want. It's just such as somebody that it's like, oh, they had a really quiet life and just really behaved themselves. It's like, all oh, right, OK, whatever. I think that it's it's that sort of sense of it. But also, I think that, you know, the pirates built these stories around themselves. You know, they mm. deliberately built Became themselves legends. up to become legends. Vivian Westwood, you know, she kind of founded her career on kind of pirate fashions after punk yeah. and you know really kind of took inspiration from you know what these people were wearing and i think it's just that sort of living outside the law living your own life and actually i'd love to think that part of it is this sort of freedom that actually if you came from nothing you could have as much as or almost as much as your captain your captain got twice as much as you which is fair enough really but you got the same as everybody else and it was one of the ways that you could genuinely make a good amount of money and you weren't being exploited fundamentally. So I think that there's just that real kind of glamour about it. Yeah. And I, I think as well, that's probably hit the nail on the head is this idea of freedom because like they're rogues, but they're lovable rogues and we sort of live vicariously. Yeah. Don't we through them of like, you know, we're just going to go and join a ship and say goodbye to everything and yeah. just go head off. I think there's just something really romantic about that, you know, because I think we we all tend to be quite landlocked in our lives, you know, mm. and uh, just the idea that it's like, right, I've had enough, off to sea I go, bugger this. bugger this, I'll do what I need to do and let's just see what's over the horizon. I think it's just there's something wonderful about that. There is. Uh, speaking of um, who do you think you are, is it true that one of your ancestors was deported to Australia? Oh! <gasps> It, it is, Tell yes. Me about that. Yeah, so I, I researched my family history as much for my mum and dad as I did for me. But what was really lovely, my great great grandfather ended up in Australia. He was a bit of a brawler, he was a rioter. But the one I was really excited about in the mid 1850s, Anne Hobbs, she was again brawling, thieving. She was actually quite a character in that the court appearance, the judge actually said she was one of the most unmannerly ladies he'd ever met <laughs> before he deported her. I almost applauded, I think, you know, because it's like you want somebody with a bit of spirit, a bit of character. So we don't know what happened to Annie when she reached Australia, but I do love the fact that she just she didn't go down quietly. She had a lovely swear she told the judge exactly what she thought of him. Yeah, I'd really like to think I am carrying on that tradition of being unmannerly. <laughs> I am an unmannerly I lady. Love <laughs> I love it. 
Oh, Jill, you've been so much fun to talk to. If people want to find out more about you and more about the book, where can they do so? Just launched a website of my own called juliewalker.co.uk. I don't know where I get these ideas from at all. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is NiceMarmot, uh, but Bonnie and Reed is coming to bookshops near you on the 4th of August. Go and get it and don't be getting ideas, jumping <laughs> in a dinghy and heading off down the canal. Oh, no, we don't have responsibility for that. <laughs> Oh, Julie, thank you so much. You've been so much fun to talk to. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed venturing around the Caribbean with myself and Julie. If you like what you've heard, please don't forget to like, review and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Join me again, Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society, a podcast by History Hit. This podcast includes music by Epidemic Sounds. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Thank you for listening to this episode of Betwixt the Sheets. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget, you can also listen to all these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at HistoryHit.com dot com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can get your first three months for just one pound a month when you use the code BETWIXT at checkout.